This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Endotracheal tube suctioning by Mary Jean Manning. Please note that in this video we will be following the guidelines used at Boston Children's Hospital. Some of this information may need to be modified based on the equipment, guidelines, and practices in place in your institution. Introduction Hello, my name is Mary Jean Manning and I am a clinical educator at Children's Hospital Boston in the ICU. I am going to review for you the um, policy and procedure regarding endotracheal tube suctioning. The definition of endotracheal tube suctioning is, is a component of bronchial hygiene and mechanical ventilation. It involves the mechanical aspiration of pulmonary secretions from an artificial airway. The procedure is frequently performed in the ICU setting, however it's not a benign procedure. It has been associated with adverse consequences. In this segment, we will demonstrate the proper technique for endotracheal suctioning. Uh, the review will include proper equipment for endotracheal suctioning, indications for such, assessment and monitoring of the patient before and after the procedure, potential complications, and contraindications. Indications. You would want to perform this procedure if you observe the presence of secretions in the endotracheal tube or lungs. Often you may not be able to observe secretions, but you may suspect that they are present when you detect increased work of breathing or a decline in gas exchange in your patient. At Boston Children's Hospital, we also perform routine suctioning at least every 12 hours, unless contraindicated, to ensure tube patency, especially for patients with an endotracheal tube with a diameter less than 4 millimeters. Contraindications. Some healthcare providers would refrain from performing this procedure in patients with pulmonary hypertension. Although not an absolute contraindication, you should exert caution in patients with severe respiratory disease, as they may experience significant decline in their clinical status secondary to lung derecruitment, which might manifest as hypoxia, hypercarbia, and or changes in vital sign parameters when performing this procedure. It is recommended that the multidisciplinary team decides when and how often to suction patients with severe lung disease in order to limit complications. Equipment. You will need the following equipment to perform the procedure. Suction catheter. Suction source with the receptacle. Oxygen source. Manual ventilation bag and mask with manometer. Monitoring equipment. Personal protective equipment. Clean gloves. Mask with a shield. Point of clarification. Wearing a mask with a shield. Please note 
that in our practice here at Boston Children's Hospital, we always wear a mask with a shield when performing this procedure. However, for the purpose of sound quality, the speaker will not be wearing one during this video. Procedure. Prior to demonstrating the procedure, I'd like to review the depth of suctioning. Endotracheal tubes have markings on them that define the length of the tube. For instance, this is a 4.0 endotracheal tube, which is the size that our patient has. And there is an 18 centimeter marking closest to the end of the tube. On the suction catheter, there are also markings. I can line up the markings so that the 18 matches the 18 on my catheter and that ensures that I'm to the end of the tube. Then I would add half to one centimeter to go just beyond the tube for proper suctioning. The importance of this is to prevent any damage to the tissue beyond. If your suction catheter does not have markings, it would be wise to take the same size tube your patient has and line up the suction catheter on the tube and mark it so that you know the proper depth on your tube. Prior to demonstrating the procedure, I'd like to talk about preparing the patient as well. Sometimes a patient will require sedation or analgesia to maintain their uh, integrity of their airway by maintaining and maintaining their safety. Also, for the older child, you would want to explain to them what you're actually going to do if they're aware enough, and they may be able to cooperate. Now I'm going to perform this procedure sterilely. Point of clarification. Sterile technique. Sterile technique describes the process of maintaining sterility during a procedure. In endotracheal tube suctioning, this refers to the use of sterile gloves and a sterile suction catheter. You'll want to maintain one hand that's completely sterile and only touches the sterile suction catheter, while your other hand is free to touch non-sterile items such as the suction source. We use one sterile catheter for every patient each time we suction. If this is not possible at your hospital, we advise that you use the cleanest catheter possible and do not share catheters between patients. As I get ready, I'm going to have my colleague come and start to hyperoxygenate the patient. She'll disconnect from the ventilator and cover or cap the ventilation system in order to maintain its cleanliness. And then she'll provide 100% oxygen to the patient by giving breaths through the bag mask system. Point of clarification. Hyperoxygenation. Hyperoxygenation refers to the process of providing 100% oxygen to your patient for several minutes prior to performing a procedure, such as intubation or endotracheal tube suctioning. The purpose of hyperoxygenation is to denitrogenate the patient's lungs to achieve a higher percentage of oxygen. This provides some reserve and prevents desaturation events while disconnecting the patient from the ventilator in order to perform endotracheal tube suctioning. At this point, we can actually 
notice or observe presence or absence of secretions in the tube, and we can determine any difficulty with bagging the patient. I'm going to maintain one sterile hand and use this hand as my dirty hand to connect my suction. And we also would observe our oxygen saturation and other vital signs to make sure that we're stable prior to starting the procedure. And then I'll ask my colleague to disconnect. I'll note the markings on my tube and start to pass, not applying any suction while I'm passing the tube. I will line up the numbers and go past, start to apply suction, and using a pill rolling technique, remove the tube. I do not want to apply suction for any more than 10 seconds at a time. Point of clarification. Pill rolling technique. Pill rolling technique refers to the process of placing the suction catheter between your finger and thumb and moving your thumb and finger in opposite directions over and under the catheter to cause the catheter to swivel in a circular motion inside of the endotracheal tube as you withdraw it from the patient. In between passes, we'll also continue to hyperoxygenate and watch our oxygen saturation and make sure they're either remaining at baseline or come back to baseline prior to passing the catheter again. And we'll pass it one more time to make sure we've rid the tube of any secretions. And I line up, make sure I go to the proper depth, apply suction, and remove. You want to note the amount of secretions that you've suctioned, any, the color, consistency, and any odor that you might have. Also, it's not recommended for routine suctioning, but if you note that the secretions are particularly thick, you may want to instill saline down the tube and then bag the saline in in order to loosen up those secretions. Point of clarification. Saline installation. Please note that there is not strong evidence in favor of the installation of normal saline in the endotracheal tube to loosen secretions. However, this continues to be a common practice in many units. Point of clarification. Selecting suction pressure. An additional consideration is the amount of suction used for the process. In an infant, it is recommended that you use no more than 80 millimeters mercury. For older patients, you may use 120 millimeters mercury for suctioning. Complications. The complications that you may observe include unplanned extubation, derecruitment of lung tissue, tissue trauma to the bronchial or tracheal mucosa, bronchospasm, infection, bradycardia, patient pain or discomfort, or decreased oxygen saturation. Please note that you may or may not observe any of these complications during or following this procedure. 
I encourage you to monitor your patient closely for signs or symptoms of complications and to be prepared to manage them, which includes having the necessary equipment available to treat the complications should any arise. Assessment and Monitoring It is important to monitor the patient's vital signs including oxygen saturation, heart rate, and blood pressure. You will also want to assess the patient's lung sounds as well as his or her comfort before, during, and after suctioning. Documentation Following endotracheal tube suctioning, you should document the following information in the patient's medical record. The reason for suctioning, for example, the presence of secretions. The date and time of procedure. The characteristics of the secretions, including amount, color, consistency, and odor. The vital signs before, during, and after procedure. The resolution or persistence of the reason for suctioning. The patient's comfort during the procedure and any adverse reactions. That concludes this section on suctioning the patient with an endotracheal tube. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org. Thank you.